Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Contractor Revolution. What would actually happen to your business if, tragically, you died tomorrow? Hit by a bus, as they say. Would it unravel rather quickly without you at the helm? What financial condition would your family be left in? These are morbid questions for sure, but one's worth asking. Now, you might have a mental image for what you'd like to have happen, I'm sure, but without the right systems and agreements in place, you can be positive that none of it will come to pass. My guest on the show today is Sarah Cronin. She is the managing partner of OBO Planning Group. She works directly with a bunch of our Breakthrough Academy businesses on their financial planning, their succession planning, and has a ton of firsthand experience helping small business owners wealth plan for the future and protect themselves and their families should the worst happen. So today's conversation was really interesting. We discussed a few things. Number one, what can and will happen to your business and family in the case of your untimely death? And I'm warning you now, it's pretty grim. Two, we talk about why for co-founders, dialing in a partnership agreement is one of the easiest ways to limit your downside in the case of death, disability, or disagreement. And lastly, we talk through how to start drafting a succession plan so that your wishes are captured in writing and executed on properly and not left up to chance. Sarah's also been kind enough to leave behind two tools for us. You can check those out by clicking the link in the description. Without further ado, let's get started with Sarah. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Sarah, welcome to the show. It's really good to see you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. So, a bit of a morbid question here at the beginning, but an <laughs> important one, I think. You always hear this term like, oh, what would happen if I got hit by a bus? And I always I, I always find that funny because I'm like, man, this is like a lot of buses out there hitting people. You, you hear it so often. It's like, where does this come from? But the analogy is 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 about you know what what really would happen to a business entity, a, a, a small business, a contracting company, if the owner, who in most cases is still hyper-involved, uh, were to pass away tragically, were to become impaired to the point where they couldn't run it, uh, or have something happen to them where they just were removed from the operation. So I'll just ask you this question. In your experience and from what you've seen, what actually mm -hmm. happens to most businesses when the owner dies? The unfortunate truth is that as much as we're talking about, hey, what would happen if I got hit by a bus, most people never take it far enough to make a plan. So they pass away, it's sudden, and that's the end of the story. And typically the, the business winds down because there's a lot of functions that are not set up so that people can take the reins and run with the business. Yeah. You, usually the spouse, maybe even the spouse was the bookkeeper or did an admin function in the company, but does not really understand the nitty gritty of what's happening in that day-to-day -day business. Yeah. So unfortunately we see massive financial consequences. We see the business either wind up completely or sold for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And it's just an absolute nightmare. It's adding, it's adding and it's, there's sort of like, it's like a knock on tragedy. Not only is, is, you know, th this very, very unfortunate event bad enough, but now there's sort of implications. There's a ripple effect through the company and everyone connected to it. So I'd love it if you could maybe detail for us 
two two different scenarios. Like one because they are different. Yeah. One is a soul. One is a sole owner, um, man or woman owns the business entirely. It's their baby. It's just them at the helm. The mm-hmm. other is a business partnership where there's a business partner, maybe a couple of business partners. Let's start with the sole owner and then move to the partnership situation after. But can you talk about uh, in depth some of the operational issues that crop up and then some of the financial issues that crop up for that sole owner that passes away? And then when you finish yeah. that, we'll move to the partnership situation. Absolutely. And I think one of the best ways to help a business owner imagine themselves in this in these shoes is... Think about your last vacation and how was that for your team? Did they execute? How many times did they call you? When you came home, was all the work still sitting on your desk? Was it undone or did they actually accomplish anything? Mm-hmm. Could they make? Could they do bank transactions? Did anything happen while you were gone or was it completely on hold? Right. Take it one step further and now imagine you're leaving on vacation tomorrow and you have not warned anybody and you're going to turn off your phone for two weeks. What would happen to your organization in that situation? Do you have the system set up? Do your key people have relationships? So this is exactly what we see happen in a business where the sole business owner passes away is that not only is your spouse grieving, um, but suddenly they don't know where the bank information is. They don't, they may not even have signing authority for the banking information, accounts are frozen, um, your key people don't know what to do, and perhaps there's some fighting amongst them. Maybe there was some loose suggestion that you'd like your you know, 20-something-year-old children to take over the business. Do they know who's in first place and who's in second and who's doing what role? Are they fighting? Um, what are the debts that the business has? Are the lenders knocking on the door to ask how these debts are going to be paid? Um, so it's just a spiral of events. We unfortunately in our province see about 60% of people pass away what's called intestate. So they do not have a will. So further to that, most people leave no instructions upon their passing. And although this is a difficult subject, people consider this to be, you know, a very significant issue but not a high priority today because today I'm trying to run my business and keep things going. And what I'd like to see people do is shift and run your business with an exit plan in mind Mm -hmm. so that you actually have this set up in a way. It'll never go perfectly. Mm -hmm. um, But what we see is that the businesses typically wind down Mm -hmm. um, or they're sold for next to nothing. If the corporate structure was not set up correctly, we see as much as 70% of the value of the business is paid in taxes. How, how, there that would just be, seems like such an insane number to me, 70%. That's a pretty and, large slice of the pie. Where is it going? So what happens is if your corporate structure is not set up correctly um, and you're not taking advantage of capital gains exemption, um, which again, this is a little tricky and it, it would be looking at your personal corporate structure with the financial team. But if it's not set up correctly, there'd be a capital gains tax paid upon your passing. So there's a there's a corporate tax bill paid. And then in addition to that, likely your family needs the money. Mm-hmm. So they're going to pull that money out of the corporation. Mm-hmm. And so when that money gets pulled out of the corporation, there's now a second tax. So it, there's double taxation 
on the on the value or the business, the money that's in the company. And that is where we see this 70%. There you can't you can't eliminate tabs, but you can certainly do some key planning that goes into your corporate structure. Some families have different, there's different things we can set up to minimize that risk, Mm -hmm. but without any planning at all, um, that often takes place. And so your family is left holding, you know, just a fraction of what they likely thought they were entitled to. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of business owners with really grand feelings about the value of their business because they had fantastic year in revenue and the business is performing so well. And they actually don't know the true value. What's the, what's the market value of your business if you tried to sell it today? And so they live in sort of this dream that their family would be looked after because, hey, I have this great asset. Right. But what happens if that asset is gone? Right. Can your family pay the mortgage? Can they put food on the table? Can they still take that vacation, you know, to Mexico every year or whatever your family traditions are? Can those continue? Um, children's education, on and on and on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, pretty tough spot because not only is this, not only has this awful event happened, but now you're basically getting pennies on the dollar for what the business could have been worth because so much a it's probably getting sold undervalued because mm-hmm. it's not as though you'd been staging an exit and really you know making sure your PL looked good for three years making sure the growth trajectory is perfect getting all the things in place that a buyer would look for that is by the way how people kind of maximize their cash out at the end it is not yeah. we've talked about this in other episodes you just mentioned it it is not throwing up a for sales sign, chucking it on Facebook marketplace, and you're all of a sudden a millionaire. I mean, it's a very calculated, coordinated, well-timed, and then there's still some luck involved uh, to, to, to kind of step out of that business and exit it effectively with the money you want, or in this case, the money you're hoping your family would get. And then adding insult to injury is this, there's these huge tax implications as well. So your 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 business entity and the staff they're in are in a really tough situation. The the family's in a really really tough situation. Is, is there anything else you'd want to detail about this sole owner scenario, or should we talk about partnerships? Before we go into that, I just have one more thing that really drives it home: is that especially because the solo business owner, it's usually a business they've started themselves. Yeah, and so their families have usually sacrificed and gone through the hardship of not seeing their loved one, not seeing them because they're building a business, not maybe taking a vacation because they were reinvesting in the business and trying to establish. So when you think of the grind and the mountain that these business owners have climbed to achieve the level that they have, um, it's just an absolute just devastation yeah. when after all that hard work, you know, it's minimized to, to next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And the other piece that really does often happen is, um, again, it's just human nature and you see it in sports teams or in, in really in leadership is what happens to those key people who are in your organization. If they haven't been given guidance or um, thoughts around what might happen or why they would want to work to support your family in that situation, perhaps they're considering what's best for themselves. Can they take the business from you? Right. Do they have their relationships with your clients to walk away and start on their own? So the vultures really do, unfortunately, come out in that situation if planning hasn't been done. So that's why we often see just a complete wind up 
of the business um, in that scenario. It's the same thing in families. I mean, it's like, I don't know, there's something that happens when people pass away. I just had, uh, we just had a guest a few weeks ago on who's talking about the same, a very, very similar thing with his, with his, with his father passing away. I've seen the same thing in my own, in my own family, like with you know, siblings mm-hmm. and cousins, like this, this, the vultures is the right term. It's, there's a tragedy that happens. And then all of a sudden people go, well, hold on a second. Maybe there's a little something in it for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. Okay, so so that that's that's the sole owner is the is the business partnership set up when when one of the partners passes away, uh, is that better? Is it worse? Is it vastly more complicated? <laughs> t- tell us a little, really twist the knife here at the beginning. Yeah, we're gonna start out. Yeah, we're gonna so, start off at a, at a depressing point. I should mention, guys, we are gonna get to how to mitigate this in a minute. Uh, so just bear <laughs> with us. But I do really yeah. want to outline the, the risks involved. Yeah. So in the business partnership situation, again, without the proper planning. You can have the best like intentions. You can have the best love for your business partner. Um, so there's all those complicated elements um, in terms of the operations of the business and stepping up. So often in that situation, they're going to need to replace you. And you likely are not an inexpensive hire. Right. So now we're looking at a six-figure compensation package to either promote someone from within or find someone externally who can come in and, and fill your shoes and all the bumps along the way that are going to come in a sudden like transition like that. Um, further to that, we have this little situation where your family is going, hey, this is a business that was providing probably a six-figure income to them and supporting them. And they're going, hey, what's going to happen now? So then we get into a situation where if we haven't had proper planning, does your business partner have the money? So let's say the business is worth $4 million. Does your business partner have access to $2 million tomorrow to buy out your spouse? Right. And and unless you've done some planning, probably not. Because that, that's what the spouse is entitled to legally. Yeah. Like, do you want to be in business with your spat with your business partner's wife right, or right. husband? Usually no. Yeah. <laughs> Usually we hear, you know, horror stories about that idea, but they, they are now shareholders in yeah. your business. Um, the, the shares would roll over to the spouse. And so unless you've put some plans in place to make sure of that, um, I've, I've even seen in, in the BTA world situations where there've been business partners who have a permanent disability and the surviving business partners don't have an exit strategy because planning wasn't put in place. So there's no trigger to remove that partner. So the surviving or the active business partners are building the business. They're building the value of yeah. the company while someone who's unfortunately unwell is going to benefit in the long term because they still hold shares in the organization. So there's actually potentially quite a quite a serious cash crunch Um situation looming in these instances because un- unless they're sort of protected from it uh this four million dollar v- evaluated business this theoretic theoretical business we're using as, as an example uh it's very unlikely has two mil kicking around in the checkings account that they can just go sure h- here you go so it like immense pressure put on the surviving business partner um, because they are, and I'm sure in 99% of instances, they want to do right by the family that's left behind, but the money's just not there, but we're going to get into later some more kind of like broad sweeping.
having like um, really good universal protection mechanisms. But just on this, uh, one business partner passes away, the other's left behind. That kind of cash crunch scenario. Is there is there a mechanism, a, a policy, a product that's just easy kind of to 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 preempt that? Yeah. So, and this is actually really. Um, almost shocking to business owners because sometimes they don't approach they don't approach this subject for fear that it's like an expensive problem to have but you know if you're insuring a, a business owner who's in their 40s and you need 2 million dollars of life insurance we use what's called buy sell life insurance so that's to say hey the business there's two business partners the business is worth 4 million dollars we're going to put $2 million of life insurance on each of those business partners. Right. This is not a problem that costs thousands of thousands of dollars. This is a hundreds of dollars solution, not, you know, thousands. And it's like, so, a, it's like a cell phone bill. Like it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not significant and it will give you. And, and there's different. Again, when you're sitting down with your financial team, like we're going to evaluate for you. What are the financial needs of the business? And so there are some incredibly affordable ways to execute this. And we would eventually long term evolve that plan into something more permanent and, you know, robust for you. Um but it is not an expensive problem to solve. And so there's really no excuse other than not re not realizing that just how simple it is to correct this issue. Anything else you'd want to say about the the business partner setup? I think what it I think one of the consideration that 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 may happen to that business owner as well, the surviving business partner, is still that question mark is do they bother? Does the business survive or do they go start over again. Mm -hmm. So, and again, best laid plans, but can they overcome the mountain ahead of them to protect your family? And since it's so simple to solve that problem, we just like to see that addressed in advance. You would have a, a pretty unique vantage point on all this. How well protected is the average small business owner in this arena? Can you give them a letter grade? Can you give us a, just a, even an anecdotal kind of take on this? So I've uh, I've been fortunate enough to work with um, probably fifty or so uh, companies within the Breakthrough Academy world, as an example. And and to be to be clear, Breakthrough Academy um, business owners tend to be a cut above the rest because these are these are individuals who invest in personal development and growth and operational structures and what have you. So so these are some of the very best companies, and I would say most of the time we see like maybe 10% of the people who actually have a plan in place. And often that plan is broken. They might hold insurance to handle that problem, but they don't have the agreement drafted by the lawyer. So if you just have insurance and there's no drafted agreement by the lawyer to actually say this money belongs to the family and this is how we're going to value the company and this is how that money is going to exit the company, then it's just money that sits in the company and you're relying on the kindness of your business partner to go, oh, we intended it to happen this way. So let me execute what we talked about. Mm -hmm. So, and do they remember what was talked about? So no, unfortunately, it's a really small percentage um, that I see who actually have any plans in place. Um, less than 20%? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Less than 10%? Le less than 10 Less okay. than ten. All right. So unless there's a hidden market, a hidden group that, that I haven't bumped about? into yet. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Even the best businesses, I find this is an area that that people maybe they're afraid to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. 
um, but it, it gets left out. I'm sure they are. It's uncomfortable talking about it now, but it's like <laughs> this This is a uh, scenario that I think a forward-thinking, growth-minded, family-oriented business owner, which is most of our listeners, ought to think about. I Just because I'm curious, well, before we kind of get to how to mitigate our, uh, mitigate our risk here, are there any other just like little known facts, surprising statistics, things people don't know about in this subject matter that like really shock people when they learn them? When you're meeting with someone for the first or second time and you kind of break this all down, is there anything that, that really just like leaves their jaw on the floor? Yeah, it kind of comes down to, it covers a lot of area here, but it's like people will share with me you know, this is what I want to have happen. When I say, you know, what would you like to see happen when you die? It's like, this is what I want. Well, I say, who's going to look after your children? This is, this is what I want. Well, if that's not written down, if that's not in your will, and again, we, we already pointed out that 60% pass away without wills. And for the 40 or so year old demographic that we're talking about as these business owners, I'd say it's even less um, that actually have a will. Your wishes do not get executed unless they are written down. And and it's it's absolutely shocking to see the number of people with children who say, oh, my friend Susan, like my brothers and sisters are a mess. I don't want them looking after my kids. They're going to go to Susan. Mm. That's not happening mm. unless there's a will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just understanding the, the power behind that plan um, seems to be really missed. And the other one that um, we've talked about is how about just laying out where everything is? Like, Mm -hmm. where are the bank accounts? What is the password to the computer? How do I get into my cell phone? Or how would you get into my cell phone to grab the 6 million photographs I have of the family history? Um, There is this like endless number of things. So we we have a tool that I can provide for, for the listeners that would help flush out all of those things. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Like if you think of a an entrepreneur contractor, they're going to have, you know, probably multiple, multiple vehicles. They're going to have an office. They're going to have padlocks. There's going to be storage lockers. There could be a couple cell phones. There's going to be various bank accounts. I mean, think about the, just the the tsunami of things that need to be accessed by the people left behind that are yeah. going are gonna to be, you know, like get attempt number 97 on the cell phone to get in. Like it's, it's re, that, that's just seems like an incredibly simple thing to avoid. It probably takes someone an hour to put everything on this tool in a centralized place. We will, by the way, link that in the description. You guys can download it. Uh, I had a look at it before we hopped on. It's very, very thorough. Um, Sarah, let's let's move on to like how someone might begin to mitigate the risk here. I always like this idea yeah. of like what's the succession planning starter pack? Like what what what's just like the, the baseline minimum viable? Because and by the way, we could get super technical or in the weeds on this. I don't want to for a podcast. I think we just keep this relatively high level. And if you could give us some like large chunks that anyone can do and will save you really a ton of headaches or say, save your family, your business partner, a ton of headaches. I think that'd be a really, really great, great thing to outline for us. Yeah. And I think I would start by saying to any business owner who, who, you know, the thought of sitting down and writing a plan of what happens when I die sounds awful and miserable. Mm-hmm. So instead of, instead of looking at it that way, 
look at it as a positive thing as you're actually writing the succession plan for your business. Like what truly is your exit plan? You know, you've had all, I know a lot of the listeners have had a lot of information from built to sell. So let's put a positive spin on this and actually sit down and say, what do I want to have happen to my company and who do I see running it? And, and, and really lay out, like design it. So we are going to write it down Mm -hmm. and that has to start with, what do you want? Mm -hmm. I want my kids to run the business or I want Johnny who's been with me for 10 years. I want him to take over. So you're going to start with that and you're going to design that organizational chart of what exactly is happening inside the company. What are the um, different systems that need to be in place? What are the different pieces? And every business is a little bit different. Um, you're going to address what do I want in great detail, flush it out. And then when you start to get into the second stage of this is, okay, I know what I want. How do I make that happen? What is the succession development plan? What training do people need to have in order to do that? Who do they need to know? Do they need relationships with you know your key partners, your key customers, your key vendors? Make sure those relationships exist. And Also, it's a great reminder to get out of the way and let that stuff happen. Mm -hmm. You know, stop being the center of your business, step back a little bit. And and actually, when you're focused on what that succession development is and considering the possibility that that might be executed tomorrow, lay out all of those details. Make sure your operations are transferable. Make sure those key relationships are there. And really, again, get get in the real weeds on that one and, mm-hmm. and look at all of those details. And I really strongly suggest that you have those difficult conversations with family members and with key employees. So if you've identified, you know, you've got three top employees and you see them being the future of your company, sit down and talk to them. Is that what they want? Right. Do they share that expectation? Do they share that wish? And by having that conversation, you're going to empower them. Mm-hmm. You might see them step up even further when you've taken that time to have the conversation. If it's your children, it's even more important that you have that conversation. And keep in mind that fair and equal are not always the same thing. Mm, what do you mean by that? You may have two children and one of them is, you know, an excellent project manager. They they understand the business in and out. They've got they've really got it mastered. And one of them, their skill level tops out at administration. They're they're doing a really great job helping out with the business. Is it fair, although it is equal to leave them in a 50-50 partnership? Is that fair? Mm. Is that fair to the person who maybe went on and carried on with a degree and additional education to support the future of their business? So again, in that situation, we can use insurance products to provide additional what we call a state equalization. Mm-hmm. So perhaps more of the business is going to go to the to the child who is excelling or at a, in a key role, but we can actually still make sure there's enough financial reward to the other to the other child, or sometimes it's that the other kid may not be involved in the business at all. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So again, looking at that um, and having those conversations now so that everybody's on the same page mm-hmm. about what the future wishes are and they get to share their thoughts and their objections and you can flush those out in detail. One of the things that you said that I like is that you sort of, instead of uh, drafting up this like super depressing, like death document on Google Drive, 
which is just a little bit too, you know, a little too morbid, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, you, you you approach it as just like a succession plan. You you kind of think of this more and you frame it to yourself in terms of this is if I live to be 120, this is still would what I, this is what I would want to have happen to my business as, if I were to exit and frame it that way. It makes it a little bit easier to approach. Is there anything uh, when you've worked with clients who kind of work through this process, any unexpected benefits uh, do they maybe enjoy it is too strong of a word, but is there, are people surprised by the process? Are there things that they learn or bump into or new breakthroughs that they have with their family or their team? Like, are there any insights garnered from just working through the rigorous process of putting this all on paper? Absolutely. I think it's a lot like writing your business plan in the first place. When you, when you set an objective and you write down a goal and if you really treat it like we were discussing, where this is actually the succession plan, you know, again, I've seen it in the Built to Sell podcast. So it's like treat your business like you're ready to sell it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If you run it that way every single day, the 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 possibility of you passing away untimely, that's the contingency plan. Mm-hmm. Plan A is I want to see this business fulfill my dreams. I want to see it fulfill the dreams of my family and the legacy and what have you. So you can write it that way. You don't have to write the the death plan. Yeah. And I think that really opens people up to a more enthusiastic approach to this. <laughs> um, setting yourselves up for the future, considering things like the key people that you have loved and worked with in your organization. Maybe you want to write in a bonus for them for staying one day when your company is sold. So so make those intentions and write them down. And, and I think we all know as people who write goals is you're far more likely to see that actually take place when you've when you've written them down. What else what else is in this uh succession planning starter pack? Any other just like universally good things for a business owner to do? Yeah, so so certainly we'll we'll dive into sort of the financial elements of this plan. Um, insurance is a solution that absolutely should be part of both your personal planning for your family and also for your business planning. The, the, the purpose of insurance within your corporation actually serves more than just what happens if I die. It also, um, insurance can act as a tax planning tool, not only for when you pass away, but we can use it as something we call a, a retirement solution. So insurance has some unique properties and we'll share, you know, I'm hope open to talking about those details with everyone, depending on their structures and what have you, it can be a little different, but absolutely explore insurance inside your corporations. You need to make sure that will is dialed in. You need to explore whether your company needs a corporate will. You'll hear people talking about those these days. Um, It's not for everyone, but there are certain scenarios where that is necessary. And this, this is a little morbid, but you should do the math on what it will cost when you die. Mm. So here's my, you know, you're going to sit down with someone like me. We're going to have a look at your whole picture and when I'm going to, and I'm going to do the math and say, here's what you have and here's what it will cost. Right. So then you ultimately know what is actually going to reach the hands of your family members and will that be enough? And if it's not, we address those issues 
you know, ahead of time. Can you briefly um, describe what a corporate will is and how it fits? I mean, I'm sure you could do a podcast series on those, but just high level, what's a corporate yeah. will? So, so the corporate will is just to, again, we want to avoid. So what happens with a corporate will is it will allow your, your business to, to bypass probate. So probate, the problem with probate is that it's going to take time. It's going to slow things down. So it could interfere with the operations of your company. What is that? What's and probate? Probate is the taxes that are going to be, it's it's the um, execution of your estate. Right. So they're going to have a look at everything. Um, this is something that a lawyer would explore with you. And certainly when I'm looking with a client, we can explore. It depends on the function of the business. So if we need to make sure there is no interruption in the operation of the company, then perhaps a corporate will is something to consider. Sometimes a business will ask me if they need a corporate will. Well, we are often looking at how much money is is in the company, what's the value of the company that might pay play in if we're just looking at a financial consideration. If the money, if the if the company's not worth anything and it's likely to wind down, probably not a corporate will situation. So that's something that your legal team and your financial team would explore with you to yeah. determine. It is it is definitely not something that everyone needs, um, but certainly a conversation that everyone should have. Can we talk a little bit about the going back to the partnership situation and in really actually zoom in on the partnership agreement? This yeah. is something that I know is done <laughs> using your words done done quite poorly in like ninety nine percent of cases or not done at all, and it it rears its ugly head. Re I mean, even in the, even in a situation where where no one passes away, but maybe partners split up, a lack of a partnership agreement is a sort of a bomb waiting to go off inside most businesses. So maybe talk about what you see there and just some practical sets, uh, practical steps a set of business partners could take. So a partnership agreement is going to address what happens if someone dies, what happens if there's a disagreement, or what happens if there's a disability, and a bunch of other things. But um, what we often see is that I will meet someone and they say, yes, we're in a partnership. And if they have a partnership agreement, again, often it's a handshake deal at a Denny's or wherever, and they've gone off into the sunset and created a business with that's generating, you know, three million or four million dollars of annual revenue, and no one looked back and went, oh, we probably should document exactly what's going to happen here. Right. So some of the hazards we see is one partner gets divorced. Now what? Right. So one partner um, has a disability, or you know heaven forbid, has a, a an addiction issue or th these things, a mental health crisis, like this these things happens. pop up. I mean, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah. This is not, these are not like these bizarre out there scenarios, like a, some final fantasy thing where it's a perfect storm that has like, like people have substance abuse problems. The divorce rate is at 50%. I mean, these are very, very real icebergs out there floating. Yeah. Sometimes we see scenarios where perhaps they're silent business partners and they're more financial business partners than they are active business partners in the company. So you might have a financial business partner who um, happens to have really deep pockets. Mm -hmm. And guess what they would do is they just step in and take the business from your family if something happened. Mm -hmm. So these provisions need to be done. And the few scenarios where we do find, hey, we do have a partnership agreement, like, okay, excellent. Have you read it? Mm -hmm. Do you know what it means? Was it a template provided to you by a legal team? Or is it something that you've read and understood? 
um, that there's a clause in these contracts. It's called a shotgun clause, and that's to say that in the uh, in a d- dispute situation, you know, you and I own a business, and I say to you, "Hey, Benji, I'd like to buy you out of the company. I'm going to offer you, you know, five hundred thousand dollars." And let's say we both know the business is worth a million, but I'm going to buy I'm going to buy you out. I'm going to offer you a, a really low deal. In the shotgun clause, you have the opportunity to say, no, thank you. But hey, guess what? I'll buy the business from you mm-hmm. for that amount. So there's just some there's some different mechanisms that allow people to operate on a fair, reasonable playing field. And those things need to be discussed in advance. Mm-hmm. And, and they need to be discussed when things are good. Like this isn't something we have a conversation about when things get ugly. And I think we all know partnerships, it's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. So 50% or more are going to break up. There's going to be some, there's going to be some tough times. I think it's so way higher to, in the business world. I think it's actually quite a lot. I think it's something like 75. It's a lot higher. Yeah. So we need to have these conversations and we need these documents ahead of time um, just to make sure that everybody's, everybody's looked after. Uh, this is something that, that a good, a good lawyer, like a, any good lawyer legal team would be able to draft up for you. Correct. Yeah. And, and I would say the same of your entire financial team is that take the time to ask questions. So some of these professionals, they do this all day long. So they're going to give you this document. And unless you stop and ask them questions, they think they just they're going to assume you understand or they're going to assume you know what's there. E- even your accounting teams, they're going to they're going to recommend a corporate structure. And unless you've actually shared with them, like where you see yourself in five years or 10 years, like they're not proactively looking ahead. They're going, how do we manage exactly what was put on my desk today? Mm-hmm. So ask questions, mm-hmm. push, 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 ask more and more questions and don't, you know, make sure you understand exactly what you're agreeing to. They're also going to use esoteric language that you don't fully understand to make themselves sound really smart and really, really expert. So don't yeah. do what I've done in many instances and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, when it's really like, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't understand. Ask the question. I, Say you don't I understand. It's important to like choose a team that you relate to, that you feel comfortable asking. So if your lawyer isn't someone you feel comfortable talking to, I'd reconsider who you're working with. Mm-hmm. And the same for your entire financial team. You need, you want that transparency. You want to feel that you relate to that person um, and that you trust them and you feel comfortable. Like ask the questions you're paying for their time. Um, and most of the time, I think they really want to help you. But if you don't ask, they can't help. Anything else you want to fit in here uh, before we close on the succession planning uh, starter pack? No, I think I just really want to hammer the concept of write it down. Like just like your visit, write it, write it down and revisit it every year. Thoughts and wishes and prayers and conversations and intentions. None of that means anything. Yeah. You got to write it down and let it inspire you. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't good the first time, identify where the gaps are. You know, identify what you're missing and catch that next time and use those as notes on, hey, I need to really improve in these areas and and spend some time on it. Make sure the team of people that surround you can support the areas that you struggle with. So this is a great little tour for someone who maybe like has been a lingering question. They've not really, they don't really know where to start. So this is like a great sort of uh, summary and walkthrough of what can happen and some practical steps anyone can take. Um, the the deeper layers, the actual implementation of this is always, you know, 
case by case. There's no, this isn't yeah. a template. This is, this is something that, that you need to do for your situation and your partner and your business and your market and your family. So if someone did want to do that, where could someone connect with you? Uh, can you maybe just give us, I don't know, websites, just contacts, stuff like that? Yeah. So website is oboplanning.ca. Um, my email is Sarah at oboplanning.ca. Um, you can find us on all your social media platforms, LinkedIn, all of that. You can also find me in the, um, Breakthrough Academy toolbox. So you'll see me at the upcoming winter summit. Um, and we just work really closely to put your whole team together. So I don't, I can't answer everything, but I can help flush out the details and bring experts to the table to put it all together. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you uh, you taking you taking us through this and uh, looking forward to seeing you at Summit. Awesome. Can't wait. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, if you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.